This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm Lance Wackerly, the other host. What's up there, Wackerly? Uh, not a whole lot. What are you, looking are you at reading? some porno. <laughs> yeah, but what is it that you're reading? Is that a Playboy? This is the Playboy uh, from August 2007. I don't know why you still have this around, but uh, in the studio. I think but, I stole it from work. Yeah, there's some triplets. But what I don't understand is why you're reading Playboy. I mean, it's just kind of like, dude, Playboy is like softcore. Because you don't Does have, it really do anything to you? You don't have barely legal or gigantic <laughs> black asses, which are my two other favorites. Black tail? Yeah. Yeah, I guess if I had that, well, maybe next time, the next time. <laughs> and I would be reading that. So, dude, it's a it's a bit of a uh, contrast, or I guess a uh, contrast to the regular sick and wrong here. Um, I'm the one that's kind of hung over today. Right, and I, because of my New Year's resolution, didn't even drink last night. You didn't drink at all? Sunday night is a weeknight. But you drank on Friday. Right. And you didn't drink the whole previous week? Uh, No. Well, you know, I should uh, take a lesson. Well, I went to a show last night, so, you know, it made sense. I was drinking whiskey. So, did you hear about that? I even invited you, and you chose not to go. Because <laughs> it's a weeknight, and I can't, if I can't drink, I'm not going to go to a rock and roll show. Well, it was uh, Lemmy's new band called The Head Cat. It's like yeah. Lemmy with uh, Slim Jim Phantom from The Stray Cats and some other rockabilly dude, and they do a bunch of, like, covers of, like, Johnny Cash, Chuck Berry... Elvis. I never really pictured. I never really pictured Lemmy as a rockabilly type of guy. Yeah, I guess he's really into rockabilly, but he he was great. I mean, the show was really cool. It's kind of weird seeing him do covers, Mm -hmm. but I swear to God, uh, Slim Jim Phantom. Have you ever seen a picture of this guy? Uh, that's not the main Stray Cats guy. No, he's the drummer. No, I don't. Wouldn't he is the physique of Montgomery Burns. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously, he's got. I mean, that, that guy. That's really odd because most drummers are like have really big arms. Dude, this guy's like. Well, this guy's arms were bigger than his legs. <laughs> but uh, I swear to God, dude, this guy was AIDS personified. If I had to think of like, okay, if I wanted to draw, you know, a characterization of AIDS, it would be Slim Jim Phantom from the Stray Cats. Now, does he have the hairline of Montgomery Burns? <laughs> No, he's just his body. He's just really like sickeningly thin. So he's not bald. I mean, he must have like a waist twenty-two. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I mean, he's a really good drummer. Yeah. A really good drummer. So I was really well. Tommy impressed Lee by is that. quite scrawny, right? Yeah, but he's like kind of a big guy, I think. Yeah, well, tall, but it's kind of his proportions are spindly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what drummers need to be—like all like gangly and. I guess I, I can't know. play the drums. So, so. anyway, I, I got wasted, so I might be a little slow today. Was Which Lemmy drinking on stage? Sorry to drag oh, this yeah. out, but yeah. Yeah, Lemmy was uh, drinking whiskey the whole now, time. Now, doesn't he pour methamphetamine into his Jack Daniels? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, the legend, I read that legend has it that he does. Yeah. And actually, I've heard from other people that he does. I knew some guys at uh, Death Angel that toured with him, and yeah. they said he did. Is that even this effective? Was, this was back in like the early 80s. I, don't, right. I mean, dude, Lemmy's got to be like Geriatric. 60 now. <laughs> He's mixing Metamucil into <laughs> his Jack Daniels. <laughs> Metamucil with Jack Daniels. Okay. No, but anyway, if uh, Headcat comes to your town, go check it out. It was a great show. But yeah, you know, I um, ended up uh, getting really drunk, and so it's kind of difficult for me to stomach these MGDs, but I'm going to give it a try. And I'm also going to have to drink the shot of Jim Beam. So to start off episode 105 here, Sick and Wrong, we're going to have to do a toast. And uh, Wackerly doesn't even know who we're going to toast to. No, I don't. I want to toast to Terry Comer of Oregon. 
Portland, Oregon, Terry Comer, actually Klamath County, which is near Portland. I'm going to give a toast to Terry Comer because she has the highest blood alcohol level of all time. Oh, my God. Nine times the state's legal limit. They I assume found she her, was driving at the time. They found her unconscious in a car, actually drove off the freeway and hit a, like a billboard. It was like an anti-drinking and driving oh, billboard. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I hope it's a mad billboard. Yeah, it was Mothers a, against drunk driving. Those it was about, she was about, yeah, she was right in front of a portable traffic sign reminding motorists not to drink and drive. The only thing better than mad, Mothers against drunk driving, uh, and I don't even think it's around anymore, but you might remember from the 80s. They Sad? Said, no, rad. What's rad? Rockers against drunk driving. <laughs> is that like when Keith Richards is busted? Yeah. He's got to go do these public and service announcements? Have a, yeah, they would, have an ad, they would have an advertisement on old MTV like, Hey, I'm Keith Richards. <laughs> you shouldn't do drugs. You're going to turn out like me. <laughs> well, you should see this lady, though. I, I found her on Smoking Gun. 0.72 is what she blew. That's and this high, is after they found her unconscious. Amount. That's Point, just almost like if you open up a vein, it's lethal. like pure rubbing alcohol. Right? I mean, when you were busted drinking and driving, what, what did you have? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I blew... It was like 0.09 or something. Oh, so you're just right above the uh, legal limit. Maybe it was 0. 0.1. It's 0.08 is the legal limit. Yeah. I think in Michigan I was, and I was just right, right near it or above it. Dude, when I was caught, I had a 0. 0.14. Well, my problem was I was really, I was drunk, had a buzz on, and but I was also really stoned, which I don't think shows up in the BAC. So if you think if you weren't stoned, you probably would be Oh, fine. I would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But if you had a 0. 0.72, do you think you could operate a motor vehicle? Uh, you know, I'm when I you've seen me when I get drunk, I'll, I'll like crawl under something and pass out, and everybody would be like, "Where the hell is he?" I don't go try and drive anywhere. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's true. I, I'm just amazed that this woman was able to get into her car and actually yeah. turn it on. But and I guess consider that to be a good idea. But she wasn't. She didn't get very. She got about 50 feet away from the bar before she actually hit the sign. So she <laughs> she blew a point seven two. The person who had the closest record was point six nine, which was uh, previously held by Willard Ashley the third, an Indiana man who was busted in October 2003, and uh, prior to that, um, a point five five from Megan Harper, who is also. In the Oregon area. So we're going to do this shot here to Terry Comer and her .72. Ride that rocket, baby. Yeah. I'm going to get mine up God damn. a little bit right now. That's impressive. That's See, I thought impressive. you were going to do this. <laughs> God. Jim Beam. I thought we were doing this toast because it's our two-year anniversary. Oh, shit. You know, I had no idea. Yeah, it is. We've been doing it that long? Almost to the day, I think... Uh... This week or something. It's the two like, year anniversary. It's the two year wrong. anniversary, and it makes sense because it's episode one hundred and five. That would be fifty two times two plus one, I guess. So maybe we did an extra show in there somewhere. God, I, you know, I, I didn't even think about. It. Didn't yeah. even cross my mind. Two years. So I guess we should have been doing the shot. weeks of the show. <laughs> we should have been doing the shot to celebrate two-year anniversary. Instead, we're celebrating to, Terry Comer. <laughs> I didn't want to steal her thunder before the shot. Maybe we could do another one at the end. God, you know, I, I, I guess we should. Well, you know, it's our two-year anniversary. Maybe you should celebrate by going to the SF Zoo and fucking with the tigers. <laughs> they don't have any more. Oh, there's that one left, right? The so, weak one that can't make the jump. I don't want to get into it because we've already covered the, the, the tiger thing here. Plus, too much shit happens every day. Something new comes out. It's too hard to keep on top well, of it. Well, did you read last week a, a polar bear almost got out and then a, a snow leopard almost right. escaped or yeah. something? But, dude, this this polar bear is like a 700-pound, like, beast that was climbing up its cage almost got out it took 20 like uh, i guess they shot it with like 20 uh, tranquilizer darts to get it down <laughs> 20 and finally it came down the wall 
And then what they were was it looking for a creatures. baby seal or something? No, it's just a fucking wild polar bear. And if that thing would have got out, I think it would have been worse than the tiger. What if, those things are okay, vicious. What, what about, here's a thought experiment. What if the tiger and the polar bear got out at the same time and they battled? That actually would be kind of cool. I think the only place that that would happen at would be a Chinese zoo. Really? Yeah, I don't... Have I, you been to a Chinese... I mean, I've never been to a Chinese zoo. This this zoo's out. The San Francisco Zoo's in the sunset, which is almost like China. <laughs> yes, there are a lot of Chinese people, but it's not a Chinese zoo. Yeah, you're right. They still abide by American um, zoo standards at well, the SF Zoo. Well, the thing, yeah, the American Zoological Association or whatever. But in China, yeah, much like they don't regulate, you know, people beating and eating dogs, you or, know, in China, or selling prisoners' organs. Yeah, I mean, in China, animals are also uh, seriously not regulated. Like the care of animal, exotic animals in zoos. Right. I think so, most most of the time they're looked at as food. Yeah, I, you know, actually, they are at all these zoos because you can go to these zoos in China and you can actually eat some of the animals that you see in the zoo. But let, <laughs> let me get into this. The reason there's all these stories coming out about China, you're going to see more too, is because the Olympics, Summer Olympics, for the is it the 2008 Summer Olympics? I believe it is. Yeah, it's the 2008 Olympics. The Olympics this year, is they're going to be held in Beijing. And so now you're going to get all these stories about Chinese culture and, you know, they're yeah. drowning babies in buckets and all these, like, you know, esoteric things about Chinese people are going to start rearing their heads. Yeah. And so one of, the, re- one of the, the recent stories I came across were Chinese zoos, which, you know, I really didn't even think they had zoos in China because I didn't think they had fun there, do they? Are they well, allowed to have fun? I didn't think they had... F- well, don't they, like, ride bikes around and spin little hoops down the street with a stick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they still do that. I didn't think they had zoos because I just th- thought they didn't give a fuck about animals, like I said, unless it's food, which you just go to the market and you're like, give me that poodle and <laughs> that muskrat. <laughs> I'm feeling like a little German shepherd today. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I didn't realize that they actually even you know took time out of leaving their jobs. Like, I always thought they in China that you just work. And you yeah. make your, you know, 32 cents a day, and then you go back to your home, and you eat a dog, and you go to bed, get up the next morning, and you work. Well, you have to go to a communist rally every once in a while. Too. Yeah, for, you know, to glorify Mao Zedong or something. Yeah. But no, so apparently, I guess they uh, do have recreational activities, and they do attend zoos. So they enjoy learning about animals and And, and animal habitats. conservation and right. uh, learning about animals. But the thing is, what, what I was, I mean, as an American, and, you know, and I've been to a few zoos over here, and I'm not a huge fan of zoos although now yeah, you know what zoos are pretty fucking boring when was zoos the last time you went and they're cruel dude and they smell like sh- and, and it yeah, smells like, smell shit. like shit and monkeys are gonna toss their feces at you it's like i'm not there like i've never been one of those dudes that's like yeah let me bring my girlfriend to the zoo yeah but Come you on, have honey. though admit yeah it. i've done it before yeah, every dude every time. guy's brought your girlfriend to the zoo but it's just kind of a depressing situation in any zoo although had i seen a tiger get out and house a couple hoodlums i would have enjoyed that <laughs> but apparently dude in china Zoos are the shit. Zoos are cool in China. How so? Okay, so I was reading about this zoo here. I guess it's called the Battle Taring Safari Park in China. It's about an hour outside of Beijing. And people are cautioning foreigners when they come to Beijing for the Olympics not to go to this safari park. Dude, if I, which I won't, but if I were to go to China for the Olympics... I would just be have my ears wide open for people saying, yes, uh, Westerners shouldn't go here. You shouldn't go over there. That would be my entire... Definitely don't go to that brothel. Yeah, that would be, be my entire roster of activities. Well, apparently one of the things that they do here at the zoo, and there are pictures that I've found that we're going to have to post on the site because they're great, or at least put a link up to them. 
they, they show these kids are allowed to go pet the goats. Like, you know how they have at a regular petting zoo? You right. can go petting pet goats. Zoo. You can play with them. You can feed them. Uh-huh. And That's then always actually a pretty good part of the zoo because there's always a lot of screaming, horrified yeah, you, children. Well, of course, because they give them a bunch of feed and then the goats just come over and just destroy yeah, the children. Yeah, and adults, you know, walk they through the petting them. zoo and you're like, oh, look at all these cute little goats and ducks. But, like, if you're three years old, all these animals are enormous <laughs> compared to you. Yeah. And you're right. Like, they knock, they're knocking you Dude, over. They're trampling these kids yeah, and the kids are like three and the it's like, come on, boy, you're going to grow up to be a man. Get out there. Yeah, it's a horrible scene. Very traumatic. But what is the petting zoo like in China? Well, so in uh, China, you can go pet the goats. You can feed them up until a man will come over, grab one of the goats, walk over to a, a pit full of hungry lions, and then they'll just toss the goat in the pit and watch the lions just completely tear this thing asunder. Apparently, that's one of the things that they do right in front of kids. Like, they'll have crowds surrounding this lion pit. And there's, like, in this picture, must be 30 lions. And they're all looking up, like, come on, throw the goat, motherfucker. <laughs> and so as soon as the goat's thrown over and the goat's screaming and, uh, you know, mewling or whatever they do, hits the ground, and it's just torn to pieces. Right. And uh, apparently— So that's not really the natural order of things. <laughs> I mean, people are going to say, I know what people are going to say. They're going to email in and be like, whatever, dude, the lions eat the goats in the wild. But yeah, but like the goats with a herd and they have like herding behavior that protects them from the lions, at least the majority of them. I mean, they don't just toss one wound. No, they're not like airlifted into a pit of, of, uh, you know, of hungry lions. Yeah. So I guess next to the main slaughter arena is a restaurant where families can dine on braised dog while watching cows and goats being disemboweled by lions. Now, is that braising done with a hairdryer? <laughs> Maybe. Good reference. The zoo also encourages visitors to fish for lions using live baby girls as bait. I'm just joking. They, actually use, <laughs> they use chickens. You know how they don't like female, female well, wait, daughters? Yeah, yeah. How much? <laughs> yeah, I got the reference. <laughs> Unless their feet are bound, then yeah. that's a keeper. But uh, so, which part of that was bullshit? And which is, are you really fishing for lions? That no, was what enough. they do is they taunt the lions. They put uh, chickens, live chickens, on the end of these for two pounds. You can put a live chicken at the end of this bamboo rod and dangle in front of the lions while the lions are going crazy. Like, like you know, you're teasing a cat with a, a cat with a cat toy. <laughs> Except it's a live chicken, and it's a lion. And the thing is, like, freaking out, trying to swat at it until eventually it just rips the thing into pieces. Yeah, I have, the bamboo. I have to say, I think my cat would run straight under the bed if I'd poked a live chicken in its face. So, now, this is what I think sounds like the most fun activity here at the zoo. And this is the battle-tearing safari park, if you're going to be going to Beijing for the Olympics. The tourists are herded onto buses and driven through the lion's compound to watch an equally cruel spectacle. The buses have especially spe- designed chutes down which you can push a live chicken and watch as they're torn to shreds. So basically, you can just, the bus is just filled with chickens. You grab the chickens, put them in a chute, and just shove them out. <laughs> like out of the bus. So there's just, you can just watch them. I don't even know how I feel about grabbing a chicken. Have you ever grabbed a chicken before? Where do you grab it by? I don't want to get packed. If you're or Chinese. Clawed. Yeah, but if you're Chinese, you don't you know. care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's great about China that this uh, brings to mind, does China have, like, insurance requirements or, you know... Uh, Do they even have life insurance? Or like, you just make another one. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, you know, like lawsuits you could bring if you if your arm gets pulled out the chute. Or is, or does the communist, you know, local communist party leader just be like, well, you got fucked. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty much done. You're lucky we're not feeding you to the lions. Yeah, you can push a broom with that one arm, right? But I ask you this. In a country with, three, with a population of three billion, do you really need life insurance? <laughs> I mean, do they offer it there? You Probably mean, does not. the country as a whole need life insurance? Yeah. No. 
I mean, you just squeeze out another one. It's like a well, baby factory. Well, there's already. I don't even think you need to squeeze it out. There's another one right behind you in line yeah. to get on that same bus. And like once they hose your blood off, it's like Attack of the Clone Wars or something. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> That's true. So once again, children are encouraged to take part in the slaughter, and oftentimes coerced into taking part in the slaughter. <laughs> um, it's almost a form of child abuse, says Carol McKenna of the One Voice Animal Welfare Group. Oh, Christ. The cruelty of Chinese zoos is disgusting, but think of the impact on the children watching it. What kind of future is there for China if its children think this kind of cruelty is normal? You know, why is she suddenly, like, shocked by this? <laughs> I mean, dude, that is China. That's, yeah. a, that's an essential, an integral component of Chinese culture. And for her to say, I can understand that this they is... They drown babies in buckets. And I can understand that this is, like, very... Runs contrary to Western sensibilities, the whole animal part. But for her to say this is child abuse, I wish you those kids fucking love it. Oh, dude. I would have loved that when I was a kid. and screaming. I, I mean, mean, like... I guess know, it like would have been a little a traumatic time. to see, you know, Billy Goat Gruff or whatever being disemboweled. By goat, by lions, but I it would have been cool. Though. I bet shit's pretty cool. <laughs> if you're three and me. just you know, no, you're not watching Sesame Street, you know, cute little fuffy animal programs all the time. Well, no, you're taking cool. a break from running the wheel down the street. <laughs> yeah, you get to go right. see the riding goat your, being disembowled, riding around on your rusty bike. So I guess there's another zoo which is uh, east of the Battling Park here. It's called King Dao Zoo, and here visitors can take part in China's latest fad. Tortoise baiting. Oh, I thought it was going to be I something iPod related. No, not in China, dude. No. They don't have iPods. They bait tortoises there. Simply put, Chinese families now gather in zoos to hurl coins at tortoises' heads. A legend has it that if you hit a tortoise on the head with a coin and make a wish, then your heart's desire will come true. It's the Chinese equivalent of a village wishing well. Wait, now, is this a commonly held belief in China, throughout all of China or just in this village? No, throughout all of China, it's a legend. It's like, you know, one of those old ancient Chinese legends. You hit tortoise on head with penny. Who are we to say, you know? This is a millennium's well, old cracks, culture. Well, Maybe they know something we don't. It. it just shows the, you know, the difference here, the gap between our cultures. You know, in the U.S., our fads are MySpace or American Idol or, you know, Bratz Barbie dolls and those things in China. It's throwing pennies at tortoise heads. Yeah. So uh, to feed this craze, craze, tortoises are kept in barbaric conditions inside small bare rooms. Uh, when giggling tourists begin hurling coins at them, they desperately try to protect themselves by withdrawing their heads into their shells. But well, that's why it's lucky, because it's difficult to, you know, if it's, if it's easy, then it's not going to be lucky. Well, Chinese zookeepers have kind of circumvented the uh, tortoise's protection here. They discovered a way around this. They wrap elastic bands around the animal's necks to stop them from retracting their heads. So basically, these tortoises are too slow to run away. They can't pull their heads back in the shells, and they're just getting pelted with pennies. (laughs) But what cracks me up is Carol McKenna here from the Animal Welfare Group, One Voice. She says it's monstrous that people hurl coins at tortoises. But strapping their heads down with elastic bands so they can't hide is even more disgusting. Because tortoises can't scream... People assume they don't suffer. <laughs> they really don't make any noise, do they? Yeah, but who is she? Like powder? She can feel the animal's pain? Why isn't she? I don't understand. Aren't their heads hard? They, their heads are like, you know, they're, they have shells. Yeah, but not their eyeball. That's where, you, that's where the real luck spot is. <laughs> You're going to get laid if you hit that. <laughs> if like juice comes out, that's real lucky. So uh, even worse is in store here for the animals of the Zhangzhen Bear and Tiger Mountain Village, which is in the southeast of China. Here, live cows are fed to tigers to amuse the cheering crowds. Uh, During a recent visit, 
uh, Carol McKenna here, watched in horror as a young cow was stalked and caught. Its screams and cries filled the air as it struggled to escape. So wait a minute. I just heard something there. Carol McKenna took a trip to China to specifically see this stuff? I think she was doing an audit of these zoos, and that's where she wrote this up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think she was enjoying it, dude. Did she know what she was getting into before she went there? That's well, she had a pocket full of pennies. <laughs> Bam! Hit the tiger in the face. <laughs> Not gonna be able to You're do this much to be hitting longer. Tortoises, once I, lady. Once I file my report, Whoops. this is gonna be a long lost opportunity for luck. A wild tiger apparently could dispatch its prey within moments, as we've seen at the uh, SF Zoo. Yeah, but uh, apparently these tigers. Well, that wasn't even a wild tiger. That wasn't. Yeah, but I mean, I think it was just it had only been in captivity for a couple of years. She was an OG. She she had skills. But these tigers' natural killing skills have been blunted by years of living in tiny cages and these squalid conditions here in these Chinese zoos. The tiger tried to kill, tearing and biting at the cow's body in a pathetic-looking frenzy, but it simply just didn't know how. <laughs> so eventually, what happens? The keepers have to come in there, slaughter the cows. And then feed the tigers. I was going to say, what happens if the cow starts getting the upper hand? <laughs> Much to the disappointment of the crowd. Yeah, you mean if the cows just start, like, trampling the tigers? Yeah, exactly. Um, although live killing exhibition was undoubtedly depressing, an equally disturbing sight lay around the corner, the animal parade. And apparently what they do here is tigers, bears, and monkeys perform in a degrading entertainment. Bears wear dresses, balance on balls, and not only ride bicycles, but mount horses, too. And it I sounds guess like the circus. Burden. Yeah, it sounds like the circus. I don't know if... Uh, They're going a little... I've never seen a bear on top of a horse, but I'm sure I've seen one balance on a ball. Have you ever jump. seen one in a dress? I can't really remember. That's the worst part. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, dude. How degrading for the animal. Totally emasculating if it's, a, if it's a male if bear, If it's a male too. bear, exactly. Astonishingly, the zoo also sells tiger meat and wine produced from the tigers. I guess tiger meat is eaten widely in China, and the wine which is made from the crushed bones of the animals, is a popular drink. Is that technically a wine, or is that just they're calling it a wine for lack of a better they, term? Is it fermented? Like, do, do you catch a buzz from the tiger wine? But uh. then again, Asian people can't really drink much. So it's like, you know, they drink a little bit of tiger wine. <laughs> it sounds like it would give you horrible breath. Just At first, I thought it was tiger I thought bone they were talking marrow. about like urine or something, or tiger semen. It wouldn't even surprise me if they're like, you know, they... Nope ejaculate the tigers and they drink no, it so they can be more potent or yeah, something. I'd be no more surprised than to hear that, that what they really do is it's from the bones. So apparently uh, China's zoos claim to be centers for education and conservation. Without them, they say many species would become extinct. <laughs> probably because they'd eat them all. Right. <laughs> and then drink their bones. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently Emma Milne here, who also works at the same animal conservation company, says it's farcical for these zoos to claim that they're educational. Now, I mean, just by where the way is, that they treat they treat these animals. Where is people for the ethical treatment of animals in all this? PETA? Yeah. Do they only care about American animals? Oh, okay. Does PETA care about like are they like on the international front protecting animals worldwide? I guess not. Because if they showed up in China, everyone would just laugh and throw coins at them. <laughs> Well, I'm surprised that these people are even allowed to go to China. Don't you think, like, the communists would just kind of shut it Steer down? Steer you clear of that area, yeah. Or, like, imprison you for, or feed you to the tiger. I'm surprised that they don't, they don't tolerate dissent. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, you criticize the zoos, you're going down. I think this is a, one of those cases where, just because of the culture over there, they didn't even realize that this was going to be looked down upon. They were probably like, yeah, come and look at our awesome zoo. What are your zoos like? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I just think it's funny because a lot of Americans and foreigners in general, especially European Westerners, are going to be in for a huge culture shock yeah. come the Olympics. When they go down there, you know, expecting, oh, we can deal with China, much like they did in Korea. But in Korea, when it was in Seoul, they hid the dog butcher shops. Like, they made the dog butcher shops close their doors for, like, that week. Whereas in China, We are renovating. Go somewhere else. <laughs> no dog tonight. Sorry. Come again. I, no. imagine, I imagine the Chinese zoo official, though, asking Miss McKenna, like, so what do you do to keep the turtles from retracting their heads at your zoo? <laughs> we found that this rubber band technique works quite well. Until you find better plan, you tell me. <laughs> you use Hess Crunchy? <laughs> so all in all, I think there's going to be some interesting revelations over the next few months about Chinese culture. Yeah. And uh, we'll be here to report them to you. <laughs> I think the biggest revelation for most people are going to be those little fucking toilet holes with the like the ass brush instead of the toilet paper. Oh, yeah, I think that's going to be quite brush, shocking to most Americans. The toilet is like a hole in the ground. You yeah. know what I think the the biggest revelation is going to be? Wow, this dog actually tastes like chicken. <laughs> I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Well, people is... will come back to America and their pets will be endangered. Yeah, It'll be Kentucky Fried Dog KFD. <laughs> so uh, this is episode one hundred and five here of Sick and Wrong. Um, People, quick recap of uh, episode 104. So last week, I did a story about a brosting baby. Apparently, brosting is a term that I was unfamiliar with, but uh, Wackerly was so kind as to explain it here on the show. But uh, Dad decided to uh, I'm like the his Rachel baby. Ray of Sick and Wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're like the Iron Chef or something. Uh, Wackerly did a story about a dude who raped a four-year-old girl's corpse. And a listener sent a story about a would-be cannibal who tried to kill his girlfriend. Well, you know, I'm surprised. The listeners have spoken. Wackily, you won again. 94 nice. votes for the uh, dude who raped the corpse. Listener came in second with 78, and I came in dead last with 42, which I was quite surprised about. The baby that I did the story about lived and is going to have to be, like, severely disfigured for the rest of his life, whereas your dude just raped a corpse. But you know what? Necrophilia hits, like, the breaking point of a lot of people. Yeah. Seriously, necrophilia, just as soon as people hear it, they're like, oh, sick and wrong, guy raped a corpse, sick yeah. and wrong. Even though, as we find out time and time again, in many states, it's not even illegal. Yeah, I know. Surprise, surprise. So, Wackerly, uh, I bought the beer for you today, and uh, feel free to finish the rest of that Jim Beam. <laughs> oh, we're going to do another shop for the anniversary at the end. So oh, yeah. We're not out of the to. woods yet. Uh, people, you know the way Sick and Wrong works. Wackerly and I comb the internet for the most disturbing news item of the week, present them here on the show, audience votes, winner gets a case of beer. And uh, we've thrown a wild card to a listener. If a listener wins, then uh, you get the sick and wrong care package, which is always a treat. I believe I started last week, so uh, Wackerly, why don't you kick off episode 105? I got a story about, uh, what is he? He's like a Filipino shrimp fisherman, but living in the Gulf Coast of, I believe, Mississippi. Um, actually, I don't know where he's from. It says he's from Southeast Asia, whatever the hell that means. It's not like, and when they say that, isn't it just Vietnam? Uh, yeah, but isn't South Korea down there? And, and uh, what's that other one? The Pol Pot one, Cambodia. I think it's just Nam. Yeah, <laughs> they okay. just call it Nam for that the whole Nam, area. The Nam. The Nam. All I think of is Rambo going down there and kicking ass, which I can't wait to see that movie. Is the new one going to be in Vietnam? Yeah, dude. It's set in Rambo retired in Vietnam. He just lives <laughs> out in the jungle there. <laughs> That's not realistic. You don't know the plot? <laughs> not yet. 
Well, I, but I know like, I'm not going to give anything away, but basically Rambo lives out in the middle of buttfuck Vietnam. And there's a group of like college kids that are, I don't know, helping a village of Vietnamese people. And then some like Vietnamese terrorists come in there, get them and imprison them. And I don't know what they're going to do. And Rambo's like, I got to go bust them out. But because I guess it's like graphically violent. And number three, Rambo was in Afghanistan. Which is my favorite Rambo. But, and that was back when we were friends with the Afghanis and they were helping us fight the Russians. Yeah, and remember Rambo went over there to go to kick help some the Afghanis ass? kick the Ruskies ass. Yeah, and then they played that game of like Afghan polo with a dead goat, remember, or <laughs> dead a sheep or something, or something, bijakshi or something like that. I don't that? know. That sounds like such a sweet game. I yeah. heard Bin Laden's awesome at it. <laughs> he, he has a colostomy bag, dude. He's not on riding a camel around. We're getting way off track from I know. my story. We now, digress. Stop I derailing me. But anyways, this guy from, we're just going to say is from Vietnam until I read otherwise. His name's Lam Luong. He's a shrimp fisherman. I'm assuming he was in Southeast Asia, and he also came to, you know, the Gulf Coast down there, Mississippi or Alabama, wherever the hell he lives. Uh, shrimp fishing down there. There's a lot of shrimp. He's, a you know, one of these hardworking immigrants who comes here. And decides to do some shrimp fishing. Yeah. And uh, he also got married, and he also developed a crack habit. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and uh, due to his crack habit, I'm just going to get right to the rub here. He has confessed that he threw uh, his four children off an 80-foot-high bridge to their deaths. Now, that sounds a bit extreme here. You know, I, I know a lot of crackheads out there, and I know a lot of crackheads that get high, and I guess when they don't have their drugs, they, 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 go, they, go, they start jonesing for their drugs. But I don't know any crackheads that have actually thrown their kids off a bridge. Well, this goes right back to the thing that we always talk about. If you want to be a crackhead, cool. But don't have four kids and be a crackhead. No. Seriously, <laughs> don't breed. If, you don't, if you're already a crackhead, don't breed. If you have kids, don't become a crackhead. Exactly. It's pretty easy. Yeah, but crackheads don't have the sense of logic. No, yeah, that that's the whole problem. Actually. Apparently, the children are uh, range in age from a few months to three years, so they're very young. Oh, so um, they're easy to pick up and toss. Like if I it said, was like a fat ten year old, you're gonna for an Asian guy, he's not that big. Yeah, but I mean, they're gonna, wiry, and he's 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 hauling in like shrimp cages all day and shrimp. Okay, pots. so he's strong. Yeah, he's got those like Bruce Lee wiry muscles. Yeah, okay. Or maybe he looks like Bolo. Who knows? Bolo Young. Does it? Everybody knows who Bolo is, right? <laughs> the <laughs> biggest Asian man that's ever lived. Yeah. Have you seen uh, what's that movie Blood called? Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Right. He's that huge Asian guy. He was in some Bruce Lee movies as well. Yeah. Um, he, he was having an argument with his wife and I don't even know how to say this, uh, Nagak, <laughs> Nagak <laughs> fan, uh, had a big fight with her and apparently, uh, he also has a girlfriend. So I don't understand how these crackheads have all these women that are into them, but I guess that's what happens. Is that like Asian culture though? If, I mean, you're, you're kind of like. A man about a town, though, if you're a shrimp fisherman. He's like a like, big, successful shrimp fisherman. He's a big, success, successful shrimp fisherman. He's got his own boat. You go out there and, uh, you know, you have your own nets and stuff. I think that's how you attract your mates. Like yeah. You attract women. Yeah, okay. Well, he had three, four, uh, four children with this woman, and then he got a girlfriend, and he had a big fight with her. And so apparently he took the kids after this fight, and apparently it was a pretty big fight because, like I said, he drove to this 80-foot-high bridge, which is the Dauphin Island Bridge over the Intercoastal Waterway. He stopped at the highest part of the span, which is only natural. I mean, if you're going to yeah, toss him over, you want to go to the highest spot. Um, and he threw the youngsters over the side. And then he actually called the cops and said, hey, my children are missing. And he initially told police that he had given the kids to his girlfriend, who I mentioned before, who was living in a hotel in Gulfport, Mississippi, 
uh, and that this girl failed to return the children to him. So hold on one second. Now, are these these are his biological ch- children? Right. Are they the girlfriend's biological children? No, they're his wife's kids. Okay, him and so his they're wife. his wife's kids. So he was in an argument with the girlfriend, not the wife. So the wife had no idea. No, <laughs> I'll oh, go that's back a over shocker. It. He was in a fight with the wife about the girlfriend. Okay, he was in a fight with the wife about the girlfriend. The I missed wife that point. allowed him to take the four kids. I was thinking he, about Rambo. He chummed over the side like he would if he was maybe you, I don't know you throw guts in to attract, attract shrimp. shrimp. I don't know. I'm That's not how quite sure how it works. That was a stretch to make that analogy. But anyways, <laughs> uh, he threw the kids over the side. Then he called the cops and said, "My kids are missing because I gave them to my girlfriend and she took off with them." Oh, the cops so immediately kind of like laying the blame on her. Yeah, the cops immediately found holes in this account, and he later changed his story. I just imagine that the first hole is why would your girlfriend want your annoying four kids from your from your marriage to your wife, and why would she take off with them? Yeah, does that make any sense? I think that's probably how the cops got to the bottom of that story. <laughs> he later changed his story. Um, I don't know what he he changed it to something in the interim, like maybe he left them at the Seven Eleven and forgot about them. They were playing Street Fighter or something, um, and then he finally confessed, uh, missing and presumed dead. I I guess <laughs> they're presumed. He threw him over an eighty foot high bridge, but they haven't found all the bodies. So I guess the cops. Still oh, so have- they actually haven't found the little the tiny corpses. They found two. <laughs> Uh, our four-month-old Danny, one-year-old Lindsay. See, he probably could have chucked that one far, like a football. Two-year-old. Well, look, they even get yeah, yeah. Well, no, they're getting older. You're right. <laughs> two-year-old Hannah and three-year-old Ryan. I was. This is also one of my favorite. Now, Ryan, I think, probably would have been a little put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah. He's three years old. I wonder which order you do him in. I think you <laughs> just chuck- first. You think oldest for? Oh yeah, cause right. Because the he's other not ones gonna. Are gonna be you gotta catch away. him by surprise, and then as you get the younger, they don't know what's going on. Yeah, but see, a three-year-old dude is pretty easy. Be like, hey, check this Still, out. Still, I'm just saying, you gotta have a method. Lean over a little bit. You gotta have. Whoops. You gotta have a method. I do like how uh, all these uh, children have purely Anglo Anglo American names. <laughs> what are their names? Danny, Lindsay, Hannah, and Ryan. <laughs> what happened to Ongbach or whatever the hell the <laughs> other name know. was? <laughs> Bolo. <laughs> um, actually, it's saying one of these kids uh, is not. Ryan, the oldest one, is not the man's biological biological child, but Luong raised him from infancy. So apparently, this wife had him with another guy. With another guy, maybe one of the dudes they left back in Vietnam. Um, I think this article doesn't say it, but I'm pretty sure they found two of the bodies, but they two of them are still floating out there. Um, just, so he's uh, right now being tried for murder. Uh, not yeah, yet, not tried, but he's being held. <laughs> yeah, but apparently he's confessed, and District Attorney John Tyson said he did not believe Long had a lawyer. So I'm hoping for the self-representation. Self-representation And just court. bad, broken English and horrible shrimp, te- shrimp fisherman <laughs> teeth. Like lots of chain smoking in the courtroom. It's going to be awesome. Just with a big group of his Vietnamese friends that just yeah. gamble. This guy apparently came to... I bet to, he's going to jail for life. This ca- guy came in the chair. <laughs> this guy came to Alabama from Vietnam, you're right, in 1984 and worked as a shrimper. But like I said, I think he mo- since then moved from Alabama to Mississippi. Well, all I can say is he's lucky Walker, Texas Ranger isn't on the case. Yeah, you know why? Because uh, he was in Nam. Well, no, but Walker's helping Huckabee. I don't know if you've seen this. Chuck Norris? <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen that? He there's joined a Huckabee, the dark side? There's a Huckabee ad with Chuck Norris. How the hell did I miss that? I'll show it to you on YouTube. Maybe we'll put it up on the website this week. It's pretty funny. God, that's really disheartening. <laughs> I had so much respect for that man at one time. I still fear Huckabee him. Huckabee or Norris? <laughs> Norris. Oh, okay. I still fear him. Yeah, yeah. Never much lose... like all Asian people fear 
Braddock. Yeah, well, for missing in action. Yeah, and it's better to be feared than to be loved. Exactly. We've learned that from Machiavelli. So on the sick and wrong star scale, this guy uh, not only killed one kid, he killed four kids, and he tossed them off a bridge and then lied about it. Do they play football or basketball? I'm wondering if what kind of arm this guy has. In Vietnam, do they do any of the sort of passing games, or is it all... They're too short to play basketball. I'm not really quite sure. <laughs> yeah, but maybe they, because that's are all short. Have you ever seen an Asian football player? Samoan, maybe, but not... Oh, definitely Samoan. That's some type yeah, of Yeah, but I'm talking about, like, from Vietnam. But basketball, they, since they're all short, they could lower the hoops. Yeah, I guess that's true. You could have like a four foot or five foot hoop. They play, I think maybe they play a lot of lacrosse or something, but no real like arm throwing. Arm throwing thing. But they're really good pitchers though. What about baseball? All the Japanese players? (laughs) Japanese people and Vietnamese people aren't the same thing. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I overlooked that crucial fact. (laughs) And I think they probably, both sides of that argument would have like huge problems making that comparison. Yeah, so I guess uh, you know it's it it's undetermined how how his skill is with the uh, baby throwing, right. but I guarantee he could throw that one month though at least ten yards. Yeah, well, and plus it's a really high bridge, so you don't really feet. have to throw them very far. <laughs> They're going down. God, I wonder what kind of splash those make. <laughs> I don't know. So on the sick and wrong star scale, what what do you give this? Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, since he killed four kids, I'm giving it four stars. I wonder if anybody drove by. Kid. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it probably looked like he was just kind of lifting his kid up yeah. over the, the railing just to take a peek. Yeah, maybe it was in the middle of the night, too. We'll never know. Well, we'll see what the listening audience has to say about that. Well, here's my story for episode 105. It involves a corpse, a check... And a check cashing place in New York City. Now, a Czechoslovakian person or an actual like, An actual check. social security check. Okay. So this happened in New York City. Uh, Detective Travis Rapp has seen his share of corpses, but this was new. Two men wheeling a rigid pale body down a Manhattan street in a red office chair, drawing a crowd of onlookers, heading over to a check cashing place to cash a social security check for a dead man. Now, was one of these guys D.B. Sweeney and the other guy is that other nerdy 80s movie guy? (laughs) Exactly, dude. This is a poor man's version of Weekend at Bernie's. That's exactly what this story is. Or a reality television version of Weekend at Bernie's. Either that or like a misguided Sanford and Son plot. It almost sounds like it could be a Sanford and Son plot. From the later years when they were running out of junk junk stories. (laughs) So Rap initially assumed it was a mannequin or a dummy. He goes, I thought it was a joke, honestly. A closer inspection showed that it wasn't. The man was dead, and two of his friends had hauled his corpse to a check cashing store to cash his $355 Social Security check. They were arrested before they could get the money. The bedraggled suspects here, David Delea and James O'Hara, are both 65, and they're both petty criminals with long histories of heroin addiction and arrests dating back to the 1960s. Career criminals. So uh, apparently the trouble began last Tuesday when Delia and O'Hara tried to cash Virgilio Cintron's check at a store in Hell's Kitchen. Apparently they went in there, just uh, Delia and O'Hara. Uh, the man at the counter told them that Cintron had to be present to cash the check. So they went back to his apartment. See, which... that's re- first retarded move right there. 
They went to some like local gas station or whatever convenience store, check cashing store, where they know everybody. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows them. Like walk across town. You know, you're already in Midtown. There's got to yeah, be a million check cashing places where people don't know who you are and be like, "Yeah, this is my check here." You know? Do they have to give ID to do that when maybe. you check a cash? Well, there? yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe these guys are smarter than I'm giving them credit for. I don't think so though, because the man at the counter definitely knew Cintron, and he definitely knew both these guys. So he was like, "Yeah, he has to be present." to cash a check. So they went back to Cintron's apartment, which one of the suspects shared with the dead man. The Cint- other funny thing about that is you know they didn't take no for an answer right away. They did that no, whole like, probably crackhead argument about why he wasn't there and why he didn't really need to be there and why they were helping him out. I wish I'd seen... You know they have a CCTV yeah, security, in there and it's, it would be great to, it'd be great to see the footage. Apparently Cintron was undressed when he died. Sometime within the previous 24 hours. Please... Police said here that Delea and O'Hare proceeded to dress him in a faded T-shirt, pants that they could only get up part way, and a pair of Velcro sneakers. They threw a coat over his waist to conceal what the pants couldn't cover. So, what is raging hard on? <laughs> I gather his junk was probably hanging out of his pants here. <laughs> you know, when you're old, your scrotum just starts to hang. Oh, dude, like down to your knees. I know. So I'm probably in usually just one ball, and the other one like <laughs> doesn't go down at all. Just, just bizarre. I don't know how many grandpa nuts you've been checking out lately, but uh, I do a lot of porn. A at lot. Work. <laughs> <laughs> just, let's just leave it at that. So I think this dude's junk was hanging out. So at least they had the forethought to throw a coat over his waist. Yeah. And then they put him in an office chair and wheeled the corpse over to the check cashing store. Apparently, witnesses said that he kept falling out of the chair, so they kept having to pick him back up and put him in there. But his head was moving back, so they had to like support his head and support his body so he didn't fall off the chair while wheeling him over to the check cashing store. Uh, it's just a great mental image. Two crackheads pushing this corpse in a red office chair. I really get up the a Im- busy street, and it's this is amazing on several angles. I really get the impression they've never seen Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I don't even think they know what it is. So in this, in their minds, this is all original thinking. <laughs> yeah. And if they'd seen Weekend at Bernie's, they realize that you tie one leg to one guy and the other leg to the other guy. So it looks like they're yeah, walking. Yeah, you just walk along with him and you put some sunglasses on. <laughs> I wonder if they remember to put sunglasses on him. You know, I don't even think so because someone said later on that they could tell by the guy's eyes just hanging open <laughs> with like that rolled back in his head that the dude was dead. So I guess the men left Cintron's body outside, went back to the same check cashing store. Uh, the store's clerk said he knows who Cintron is and asked the man where he was. And O'Hare told the clerk that they'd go get him. Apparently they're like, he's right over there and you could see him through the window. But, you know, I'm surprised one of the guys that wasn't outside, like, waving the dead man's hand. Yeah, like, with a string. Yeah, like, with a string, like, hanging him up. You know, I, I don't know. About the same time, the detective here who was eating lunch across the street, spotted the men, confronted them as they were trying to haul the body into the store. So apparently they're <laughs> going to roll the guy into the store. He said that even after he identified himself as a police officer, O'Hare told him, I have to get my friend in here. He has to cash his check. He ordered the men to get back away from the victim, and then they feigned surprise when paramedics declared him dead. <laughs> well, I'll be damned. Goddamn, he died on us. Well, really, no! can the cops <laughs> prove anything? I guess they can do that whole where they can see how long you've been dead thing. But the dudes, I mean, yeah, I mean, they could do that. But the guy's also like 65 years old, you know, and they can die any time. I know, but the cops can probably tell that he's been dead for like two days. Apparently, when they said, your friend is dead, the two crackheads said, oh, my God, he's gone. Start fake crackhead crying. 
<laughs> the scene played out on a busy Manhattan street as several people watched. Uh, th- these are great quotes here from some. Victor Rodriguez here said, I saw this guy sitting in this chair with his head back. I could tell by his eyes he looked very dead. He wasn't moving. A little is known about Cintron, who is 66 years old, who apparently died of natural causes. An autopsy proved inconclusive, and uh, his body hadn't been identified from anybody because I guess he doesn't have any family. Um, They said that uh, they could tell that he had died or he'd been suffering from Parkinson's disease, and they said his rap sheet was long with arrest for burglary, assault, and drugs. Locals said that Cintron and O'Hare often frequented a food pantry down the street. So apparently they hung out this food pantry. So to me, this sounds like, uh, okay, they're two crackheads. They're obviously impoverished gentlemen. Sounds to me like an episode of Sanford's Son more so than Rican and Bernie's. Because Rican and Bernie's, weren't they like well-off white kids that worked for that company that yeah, Bernie ran? but I, I think you're getting away from the core element of the story in Weekend at Bernie's. It really, you know, those are just incidental plot points. The key plot point is the two guys, the college kids, what have you. They weren't crackheads, yes, but they wanted something that the dead guy had, which is the same as this story. So this that, is, that's why they had to feign that the guy was still, that Bernie was still alive. Right, because they wanted to stay at his beach house in Miami or whatever for the weekend. Although they did make a weekend to Bernie's too, which I didn't see, but I can't imagine what the plot is at that point. Did they dig Bernie back up? Yeah, another weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Bernie have a twin brother? So on the sick and wrong stars, go, okay, you know, it's not necessarily all that sick. It's definitely pretty wrong. I mean, you don't you know, pretend that you're... Uh, Why is this not sick to you? What is wrong with you? Dude, I don't think it's that sick. It's, it's not like they were fucking de- this dead guy. It's a decomposing corpse that they're wheeling around, you know, on the street near people. Yeah, but, somebody's okay. going to get a damn disease. It's not sick to me in the sense that it's a drug user's mental, like, thought process here. So from this drug user's point of view, he's like, you know what? It's, you got a damn good idea. Let's wheel this guy over there and pretend he's alive and get this 400 bucks. Well, and let's give them the benefit of the doubt. This was their last resort. They tried it without wheeling the body out there. Yeah, so that's I, why I don't find it sick. Now, had they been, like, keeping the guy in their house and they found a bunch of semen in the dude's rectum, they'd been buggering him, yeah, that would be sick to me. But now you're just saying, can the story be sicker? The story can always be sicker. I'm just saying it's pretty sick. Although... I'd have a hard time differentiating between a dead guy and like some of the people who are just totally cracked some up. Some of the crackheads and the, yeah, the yeah, tenderloin here. I almost think they are like kind of like the living dead. So. And the smell is probably similar. I'm going to give this a 3.5. I'll give it a 4. You're going to give it a 4? Yeah. Just because the guy, they almost succeeded? I just think it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's it's mighty, probably, that's mighty the, generous of uh, you, The check-casting place is probably right next to, you know, a place where people are buying. And Hell's Kitchen isn't a, that bad of a part of town anymore. Yeah, but if so you, there's probably people, like, buying a Gatorade for lunch. And, you know, they walk out. And they kids bru- and, and they brush up against this dude in a chair. And, like, their hand touches it. And it's a dead, co- crackhead corpse. Yeah, but if you think about it, though, dude, I don't think this is the first time this has ever happened. Well, yeah, you're probably right there. So, I, I don't know. 3.5. We'll see what the listening audience has to say. Well, uh, the story here that we received from the listener, I don't know, Ackerley. I'm, uh, I'm a little daunted by its, uh, its severity. Yeah, the listeners are getting pretty good at finding stories. You know, the listeners are getting really good at finding stories. In fact, they're making our job a bit difficult. I think we need to make a point here about the listener submissions. Uh, I think people should be encouraged to, to send in one story a week. 
Yeah, but some people are overzealous about it. They like to send in like as many as they can find. Well, I don't. I mean, I think I encourage listeners to look for stories all week, but get them all in your little bushel basket <laughs> and figure out which one you think is best. Then send that one in. Submit. Yeah, seriously. Submit. Like, do the, some search. The soul. most sick and wrong story. Do like some the, soul searching. Don't just like you know machine gun barrage us with stories are you are you saying you're too lazy to sift through the email yes <laughs> that's why you have to do it that's why i don't do it at all i think you know what this is listeners this is sour grapes on the part of wackerly who's too upset that his stories that he thinks are original that he went out and he's the only one who's found this were sent in by five listeners yeah that is kind of why yeah, although I didn't see, uh, I don't think a single listener no, sent yeah, in your right. tossing baby one. I can, but you I know, we had probably week. about fifteen listeners send in this story. Because right. you know, some people will read it and be like, "Oh my god, that's sick and wrong." I'm sending it right to them. Right. And so we had like fifteen people. All right, just do whatever you want. I don't care. So uh, I always, as always, you know, we're um, definitely uh, equitable here on uh, sick and wrong. And so what we did is we gave it to the first person who submitted the story, and the first person who submitted the story is Nikki. She says, hey, Dean Wackerly, I've been listening for almost a year, and I thought I would finally submit a story. Always listening, Nikki. Well, thanks, Nikki, for your first submission here. You send in quite a good one. I almost actually claim squatter's rights on this one because it's that good. <laughs> Dad unleashes eye-for-eye wrath after girl's rape. This happened in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, when the Arlington father caught his teenage stepson sexually assaulting his 8-year-old daughter... Uh, investigators say the 32-year-old man did the right thing. He called the police, which I'm surprised, being you'll, you'll see as the story unfolds what this guy actually did. If you caught your son, stepson, a, stepson assaulting your daughter, I'm surprised you. The first thing that come into your mind would be call the police. Yeah. I think the first thing that would come into my mind would be like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Severely. Severely. Uh, the 18-year-old was arrested by the Arlington Police Department on suspicion of aggravated sexual assault. The girl was taken to the hospital where an examination revealed she'd been raped anally. The father issued a stern warning to his wife. He said he didn't want anybody to help the teen, adding that the man stated he would hurt his stepson if released. So... The unbeknownst to the father, the man's wife secretly posted a bond for her son's release from the Arlington jail. When the teen called home for a ride on the early afternoon of January the 3rd, it was his stepfather who answered the phone and arrived at the jail to pick up his teen or pick up this teen. So the stepfather answers the phone call from jail and the kid doesn't immediately hang up. That's what surprises me, which... Which Stupid. leads me to believe that the kid almost deserves what's going to happen to him. He doesn't him. have all his marbles. Well, no. I mean, if the dad's like, oh, yeah, I'll come pick you up, you fucking pervert. <laughs> so, or, was, or was the dad scheming at this point and just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick you up. No hard feelings. Yeah, It sounds like to me that the dad was scheming because it definitely sounds premeditated. The pair didn't go home, investigators say. Instead, the Arlington man drove his stepson to an abandoned house in East Fort Worth, Texas, where he delivered his own brand of Texas justice. He severely beat the teen with a baseball bat, then anally raped him with a wrench-like metal tool. <laughs> not a wrench, though. No, not a wrench. A wrench-like metal tool, which I'm trying to picture. What, what else is a wrench-like metal tool that's not a wrench? And not something else. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't be like, I mean, it's not would a you call a hammer-like tool that... if it wasn't a hammer? No, it would be a hammer. Exactly. So like. I'm picturing a huge wrench here that he yeah. stuck in this kid's ass. It's some type of a wrench. But I mean, dude, could you imagine? Like he beat the crap out of this kid with a baseball bat and then sodomized him with a wrench. 
I know. He's like the Punisher. <laughs> the handle Vigilante end? justice. The wrench handle end or the, the business end of the wrench? Well, I wonder if it makes it was, a big difference. What are those adjustable wrenches with that little, you know what I'm talking about? The socket wrench? Is that what those are? There's a crescent wrench. Crescent There's wrench. There's a monkey wrench. What's the difference between a monkey wrench and a crescent wrench? A monkey wrench is that big mamma jamma with the, uh, <laughs> like the pipe thing. But a crescent wrench is kind of smaller. Yeah, but do you think both of them would equally suck to have shoved up your anus? The monkey wrench would be much worse. (laughs) But you know what? I was thinking about this. So the dad picks up his stepson from the jail, but they don't go home. Could you imagine how awkward that car ride must have been? So uh, where are we going? (laughs) So, hey, uh, how's it going? Did we move or something? Because uh, our house is over that way. (laughs) Are we going to see a movie? <laughs> Are we going to McDonald's? <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing Superbad. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, I wonder what was, or I wonder if the dad was just like, so I was uh, jail. Yeah, you have a good time in there? <laughs> Were you sodomized? <laughs> oh, not yet. Uh, not yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It must have been an awkward time. So on Friday, the father, the vigilante here, the punisher, turned himself into the uh, Tarrant County Jail on a warrant for aggravated sexual assault. He was released after posting a $17,500 bond. You know, honestly, though, who can blame this guy? I mean, he'll probably get convicted. uh, But don't you think when he's put in prison, the other people in the cell are going to be be like, like, yeah. High five. Yeah, high five. (laughs) But you know what, though? What I think happened here is this dude obviously caught his son in the act, was probably really pissed, didn't do anything, did the right thing, called the police. And then like a couple days later... You know, people found out he's at the bar with his friend. He's like, yeah, you know, the damnedest thing happened the other day. You know, little Johnny uh, sodomized my daughter. And they're like, and you didn't kill him? Well, no, I called the police. Yeah. That's not Texas justice. No. And then he was like, He was probably okay. about to be ostracized from the state or what he expelled. Yeah, I know. Seriously. George Bush, what would, he would have bombed the hell out of this kid. <laughs> he, would have, he would have sick Dick Cheney on him. <laughs> the enforcer. Apparently, I guess Johnson Shoot him in the face that, with a shotgun. <laughs> so after the sexual assault, the father just left the scene. He left the kid there in the abandoned home. The stepson made his way to a payphone. I love how they, they emphasize made his way. Yeah, I imagine he wasn't skipping there. What do you call that? Like the duck walk? <laughs> penguin <laughs> penguin shuffle? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, the truffle shuffle? <laughs> yeah, I believe it is called that. Uh, where he uh, called police and was eventually hospitalized. The same day, investigators obtained a search warrant for the abandoned house. Uh, though boarded up, I guess the father and the teen made entry inside through a board that moved. What, what surprised me about this is how did the dude know about the house? I think people generally know if there's an abandoned house in the neighborhood that it's abandoned. Yeah, but I mean, it's just kind of weird. He must have like kind of scoped this place out beforehand. Was yeah, like, right, I'm well, he was premeditated. Yeah. I'm going to go take it. He I knew have exactly my monkey wrench in my hand. It. You know, probably didn't have any lube. No, I mean, why would you use it? That defeats the purpose of the action. So once again, this is a difficult story to rate. On the sick and wrong scale, sick, yes, it's definitely sick. I'd say it's a five-star sickness. I mean, there is a rape, a a, a sodomized, a a little girl was sodomized here, and the the dad in revenge sodomized his stepson, but wrong? That's the difficult part. It's definitely sick, but how wrong is it? Well, the... Father's action was not wrong. It's justified, but the whole story is wrong. 
the whole, the whole ball of wax is the wrong. The whole ball of wax, I guess, if you're looking at the story in its totality, yes, the whole thing is wrong. But I, I mean, just in my opinion, I can't really fault the dad because this is my belief, an eye for an eye, pure retribution, and that's what this kid got. <laughs> and, you know, I can't say the kid didn't deserve it. This is your, your Judaic uh, morality Dude, once again seeping through. In Saudi Arabia, this kid would have been beheaded. <laughs> Old Testament justice. Old Testament justice right here. So on the I second wrong star scale, I'm giving it a five. I'll give it a five also. I'm giving it a five. Well, Nikki, we'll see how you fare. Uh, people go vote. Sick and wrong podcast.com. You can decide who won episode 105. You know, we used to give uh, the sick and wrong mom of the week. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, you know, from just basically horrible moms. But I think this guy, this dad should get the sick and wrong dad of the week for being a good dad. You know, they didn't actually reveal the name of the father or the teen who was sodomized or who was mainly sodomized well, here. Well, sodomizer, sodomized. Andy. Yeah, the sodomizer. And the, yeah, <laughs> I think they're both sodomizers. So they didn't release the name of either one of these sodomizers to protect the identity of the eight-year-old girl who was also sodomized. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> sodomy all around. It's just sodomy happens a lot in Texas. I know. It's like being at your brother's bar. <laughs> or something. I don't know. You're tuned into Open Grave Radio on the web at opengraveradio.com. Well, uh, wackily, we're nearing the end of the show, and uh, we have a lot to get through, so I'm going to have to blow through a few of these emails. But the first thing I want to talk about is not even an email. It's an issue that came up that I think we need to. It bears discussion here on the show. So I don't usually go and review our comments on iTunes. You know, I know we have probably like 17 or 18 comments, but I don't usually go and check them out. It's good to have those because the more people that comment, it shows that, you know, a lot of people, more are, people listening are listening to the, to the show. show. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I was looking at the stats. I think maybe 20% of our listeners listen through iTunes. But people, if you listen to the show, subscribe to iTunes just so it makes our ranking go higher. And if you can, leave a comment. That's a really cool thing to do. But don't leave a negative comment because you can vote for the shows. So people vote and give you like three stars, and it yes. just brings your overall yeah, rating iTunes down. iTunes allows you to rate it on the five-star scale, similar to our sick and wrong scale. And, you know, I take criticism constructively. I'm fine with that. It's like, you know. No, you're not. <laughs> whatever floats your fucking boat. Seriously, you know, whatever blows your dress up. If you don't like the show, you don't have to listen. Or if you like certain aspects, tell me. It's fine. But this dude, this merits discussion here on the is show. Is it a dude or a lady? I'm thinking it's either a gay man, a woman, most likely a woman, or a metrosexual dude. Okay. That's not, I think it's one of those three. So it's uh, the person calls themselves the Murdoch. He says, hi, how are you? And gives us three stars. One or one of only two podcasts I've continued listening to, which is actually that's know, a compliment. That's definitely some praise there that we're one of the only two that made the cut here for the Murdoch. Um, and I don't think don't get it confused. This isn't Murdoch from the A Team. This isn't Dwight. My Schultz. favorite A Team character. Yeah. Which you know, oh, as, you even know his name. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah, it's Dwight Schultz. <laughs> You don't know all the real names of the A-Team? I know Mr. T, and I know uh, George Papard. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Dirk Benedict was face. <laughs> I, I can't believe he didn't know that. Was, what's the guy's plan? Dude, I know more about the A-Team than I do the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's more important to me. All right. Well, you are. You know, you did grow up in the eighties. You know, so. it's interesting. There, John Singleton, who did Boys in the Hood, is now making a movie about the A Team. Really. And Woody Harrelson is going to probably be Murdoch, and uh, B. A. Baracus, Ice Cube. 
Who's going to be, uh, I don't even, what was George Papard's name? Hannibal. Who is Hannibal going to be? I don't know. That's tough. That's I think tough they should bring the back guests. George Papard's corpse. Yeah, and, like, George Papard is some strings <laughs> on, a, on an office chair. <laughs> that might work. So uh, only uh, one of only two podcasts I've continued listening to. I like the format of the show, but it's getting a bit old. That cuts to the bone. <laughs> well, I can kind of see that coming. Yeah, I can, you know, I've been thinking about that <laughs> for a long time. Imagine having to do this format every week. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can empathize with you there, there, Murdoch. Um, also, and this is the point here, herein lies the rub. And I think it's something, I think Murdoch has a point here, and it's something we might have to change about the show. Also, the burping on the air must stop. <laughs> I'm not the only one that feels that way either. They talk about how lame it is on other podcasts. I like the show. <laughs> I find that Goodbye. Funny. What other podcasts are tar- talking about our gastric problems? <laughs> well, no, I think... This person's saying that we talk about how lame it is when other people on other podcasts burp. Oh, is that I'm what they're referring a, to? I'm having a hard time parsing the sentence. I thought he was claiming that other podcasts comment about how lame it is that we belch. No, he's saying they talk about how lame that is on other podcasts. Have but we ever talked Have we ever that? done that before? I know we talk about how lame Keith and the Girl tattoos are. I think maybe... He's confusing us with other podcasts. No, I think maybe you're parsing the sentence incorrectly, and I'm parsing it correctly. All right, listen. I'm not the only one that feels that way either. They talk about how lame that is on other podcasts. They oh, so meaning they're saying they being other the podcasts other people. talk about how lame that is on their other podcasts. Okay, so... Other people who have – you know what? This person is going to have to leave another comment to elucidate, comment. to clarify this comment here. But you know what? They have a point. Yes. I don't know if Murdoch's a member of the ABA, like the Anti-Belch Association or whatever it is. <laughs> no, seriously. It sounds like there's like this cabal of like anti-burping people yeah, out there. They're trying to clean up the country. That listen to our show and they're just like, oh my god, this is disgusting. Yeah. But you know what's funny? Because I read this comment and then I was talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, oh my god, you'd never believe this. I read this comment and someone's saying that we burp on the air and it's got to stop. Like, can you imagine? Do you really think that's a big deal? And she's like, yeah, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I've listened to your show. And I sit there with my headphones listening. All of a sudden, it's like you're sitting there talking about something, you know, and just like a normal sentence. And all of a sudden, it's like, brap, like in your ear. She's like, it's gross. It's sick. And I was like, well, at least we're not farting. And she's like, you might as well be because it's the not. same thing. <laughs> so you know what? You know what? From here on out, this point on. No more burping and sick and wrong. Well, I'm beyond burping. We don't we don't need to belch. All right, we're going to go cold turkey. Cold turkey. Isn't there some component of this podcrafting software where you can just edit the burps out? I don't have the time to go through <laughs> okay, and edit right, out fine. every single one of your burps. All right, I'm with you know you. what I mean? The reason we're burping in the first place cuz you started it. This is <laughs> You totally started the burping. You're like, you know what? I think we could be like rogue podcasters if we burp. And I, was I did like, not recall this I, conversation. I totally recall this, and I have a photographic memory. <laughs> we were drinking, um, I think it was... All right. Uh, we, nobody wants Louis to hear your fake made-up story. But uh, all right. This will be a belated New Year's resolution. No more, no more belching on the podcast. And you know what? And Murdoch, you know, I, I didn't mean to offend you, and we want to get you back in our good graces. So we're not going to offend your, uh, you know, your finely toned ears here with our belches. We're so done no with more. that. Cold turkey. Belching was old, sick, and wrong. The first 100 episodes. It's a new era. It's a new era, okay? Uh, second email that I want to get out of the way here is from uh, 
Kendra, one of our one of my favorite fans. Kendra's like an ardent listener. She's been listening for I think since the beginning right. of the show. It's for two years. And uh, I, I, you know, I think she's almost now borderline stalker. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I love the girl, and it's great to uh, that she wrote in here. She says, "My dearest D," she didn't even write this to you. Inspired. No, she's okay. Before <laughs> this podcast is going along, but I need to make this point. She's long since abandoned any uh, affection for this half of the podcraft desk. <laughs> it's all about you. Yeah, but I think you kind of gave her the cold shoulder. Not, well, okay, maybe. I mean, you stopped answering her emails. <laughs> I continue. I maintain correspondence here. That's true. And plus, she sent me a picture of her vagina. That was to both of us. Oh yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> but what did she? What did she send in? Well, anyway, week? anyway, here she says, "My dearest D, inspired by a recent episode of the show, I made you and Wackerly right. a lovely promo picture." I take everything back. The little guy's name is Devo. I tried to make him of the Jewish persuasion in your honor with a Jew fro. Sick and wrong, or she says, hugs, kisses, and uterine matter, Kendra. I was going to send you a more tasteful gift for Jumis. I think she's referring to the Jewish version of Christmas. A candy-filled gingerbread dreidel baked, assembled with love by me, but I got lazy. And instead, she sent us a picture painted with her own menstrual blood. Well, I, dude, I seriously was in shock when I opened up the email. I was shocked, but at the same time, I was floored. I can't thank her enough for it because it's definitely something – it's not too often that you can shock someone like me. I have a pretty thick skin. My jaded crust is like about a foot thick. Yeah, I know. I know. I can I mean, smell it over here. <laughs> it, there's not that much that will shock me. I opened up my email. I looked at that. And I was like, oh, my God. And she even left a picture of the cup. The, the diva bloody cup. The diva cup just like with blood pouring out of it. And it says – Hence the name Diva. Well, it says sick and wrong satisfy your bloodlust and we're going to post the picture on the website and then there's like a little dude with like a curly jewish fro that i i think is me it looks quite like you yeah actually it does the hair looks exact but anyway i was uh quite stunned it uh, i must admit what, what was your reaction wackily yes shocked not disgusted <laughs> not disgusted but just shocked that uh she would go through with the, this uh you know project i can't believe that someone would be that devoted to the and show i think at the paint. time we talked about the menstrual blood painting i mentioned that i recalled that kendra said that she had one of these diva cups not that she painted with her menstrual blood but i i remembered her from way back saying that she had one of these cups See, I didn't, I didn't i didn't 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 recall that but yeah. at the same time so you I, know, I don't think she went out and bought the cup for the express purchase purpose of making this painting, I think she just had it and, you know, said, why the hell not? Well, Kendra, I can't think of a better gift, seriously, to to receive, as long as it's a picture. I don't actually want the painting itself. And I would like to point out that the sick and wrong mail stop... Is your P.O. box. Is that I have to go check that and get it. <laughs> and if I see anything from Vancouver and it smells funny... Through the box, it's going right in the trash. <laughs> what if it says to D? D. Simon. I'll deliver it to you unopened. How about that? In well, a hazmat bag. Well, she also said in uh, her second postscript here, she says, Today is my special day. It's her birthday. So uh, I want to wish Kendra a Kendra. happy birthday. Kendra. Kendra. Kendra, <laughs> Kendra we want to wish you a happy birthday here from Sick and Wrong. 26 years old. And uh, which is still quite young. Well, let's toast to her. And apparently, she's quite fertile. And so, uh, <laughs> in the two-year uh, anniversary of the podcast, and okay. our twenty-six-year-old birthday. Happy birthday, Kendra, and happy anniversary, Sigrong. Right. Don't get knocked up.
And please don't paint me any more paintings. <coughs> Finally here, we got a phone call. I guess it's a correction from last week when we were talking about the birds from Wales. So let, let's a play this. A correction of our pronunciation. A pronunciation correction. Let's play this call here. Oh, you fucking tossers. It's Mingin, not Mingin. An ugly slapper is a min minger, and a minge is a twat, you know, like ginger minge. Just thought I'd put you, you twat straight. All right. So you know what I love about this call? It's just like a whole lot of English slang in just one, like, 20-second message. And he's pointing out that we don't understand the pronunciation of the English slang, but then he throws in a bunch more, like we're supposed to understand. Yeah, dude, he calls us tossers. He says minging. He's like in a minge, apparently. So what what we said is, I think I said, uh, the girls were minging ugly. Mingers. Mingers or minging ugly or something like that. Well, he said the term is minging, like ming the merciless. It's minging. Right. And I understand that minge means vagina. Minge is a twat. But I thought that was the same term. Like they were saying, well, this chick's so ugly, her face looks like a vagina or something. Well, what was he saying? Opie slapper? What's (laughs) an an opie slapper? I guess an opie slapper is also a minger. Is a tosser the same thing as a wanker? Yes. Okay, all right. So tosser, wanker, <laughs> minging, minge, and twat. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you, um, undisclosed English person, for uh, clearing that up for us. Now, is he Welsh or, you know, English or Scotch? He's probably offended because he's married to a big, fat Welsh chick, <laughs> and we just insulted him I think he, and his no, progeny. No, no, I think he feels that uh, we're bonding with him in his in his sorrows. Yeah, it might be. But uh, thanks for clearing that up. So the term is minging. And uh, finally, here we got an email from Peter. Peter says, uh, howdy, here's a test that will hopefully answer your question. And he sends us a link to a website, www.howmany5-year-olds-could-you-take-in-a-fight.com. So this is a very old plot experiment we, we did. Well, you just talked about it last week, I think. I don't know. We were Again? talking about did Yeah, I? I think you mentioned like this goes back to the thought experiment of how right. many five-year-olds you could take in a fight. Yeah, and I never claimed to originate this. This is something that I'd talked about with across. other people. Much for, yeah, yeah, this is... And so somebody else took the concept and built a website. And they it. built a website, so it's a quiz that you take where they assess your martial arts skills and your fight experience. Height, and weight. Height, weight, et cetera, well, the et cetera. Be- I think the best questions are your... Your willingness to fight dirty, yeah, <laughs> to you like, know kick kick a five year old, or if you're willing to pick up a five year old and use it as a weapon, right? Which I think you mentioned would be your method. Oh hell yeah, dude! <laughs> I mean, think I'd be like Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> like a Rambo. Yeah. So uh, it's the website's how many five year olds could you take in a fight dot com. I took the test. I got twenty five. I got twenty five. You well. got twenty five. Yeah, I think that's basically because the highest you can go. Probably. Well, we're both kind of like not extremely fit we don't know how to fight we haven't been in a lot of fights yeah i'm not that, like some ufc fighter over that here. sort of stuff counts for a lot in the in the points but i'm sure we also scored the same about you know the lengths we would be willing to go to battle against five-year-olds which i my all my answers were i would be willing to do just about anything yeah so i think that's like because, no remorse. because we're going to be yeah ruthless without remorse that's why we scored high but people go uh check it out for yourself see what you get uh, finally here, the sick and wrong song of the week came from uh, Rahil. He says, uh, here's a few songs for the sick and wrong song of the week from Richard Cheese. 
The first one is People Equals Shit by Slipknot, and the other one is uh, Me So Horny by Two Life Crew. Keep up the good work. I don't know if you've heard of Richard Cheese. He does lounge versions of like Slipknot, Rage Against the Machine. I never have, but I guess I'll hear him this week. He's actually kind of cool. You know, he's playing over at one of the bars over here. It's like 60 bucks a ticket. (laughs) P-Town wanted to go, and I was like, He must be big amongst the hipsters. Yeah, he's big amongst the hipsters, but I do kind of like him. So we're going to end the show here with a song from Raheel, uh, Richard Cheese. People equal shit. The Richard Cheese version of a Slipknot song. Uh, people, if you haven't already, go give us a vote at Podcast Alley. We're doing quite well. And, and I, a comment on yeah, iTunes. Yeah, leave us a good comment on iTunes, all right? I like the constructive criticism. I mean, we are changing yeah, our ways. the constructive criticism. Okay, I see your differentiation. But from here on out, Murdoch, for you, we will never burp again. Until next week, back with episode 106. Take a sleazy. Come on. Here we go again, motherfucker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on down and see the idiot right here. Too fucked to beg and not afraid to care. What's the matter with calamity anyway? Right, get the fuck out of my face. Understand I can't feel anything. It isn't like I want to sift through the decay. I feel like a wound, like I got a fucking gun against my head. You live when I'm dead. People equal shit. People equal shit. People equal shit. People equal shit. Come on. now, so fuck it. Blood on my face and my hands, I don't know why. I'm not afraid to cry, but that is none of your business. Overdo it, don't tell me you blew it. Stop your bitching and fight your way through it. I'm not like you, I just fuck up. Come on, motherfucker, everybody has to die. People equal shit. Listening to Sick and Wrong, the podcast, brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Sitting at home with my dick on hard, so I got the black book for a freak to call. Seven digits said Yo, this RC baby, are you down with it? I arrived at her house Knocked on the door Not having no idea What the night had in store I'm like a dog in heat A freak without warning I have an appetite for sex Cause me so horny
Girls always ask me why I fuck so much. I say, what's wrong, baby doll, with a quick nut? You can say I'm desperate, even call me perverted. But you say I'm a dog when I leave you fucked and deserted. Your dad'll be disgusted when he sees your pussy busted. Your mom'll be so mad if she knew I got that ass. I'm a freaking heat, a dog without warning. My appetite is sex, cause me so horny. Section so horny. You said it yourself, you like it like I do. Put your lips on my dick and suck my asshole too. I'm a freaking heat, a dog without warning. My appetite is sex, cause me so horny. 